1: This is From Out of Nowhere, I'm Eric Furness along with Rob Kern, Jason Balkin from Jesus Chrysler will join us as we debate uh, Sammy Hagar and whether or not he uh, should exist or not exist or if his existence has been fruitful or just annoying. Rob, um, good news, we have a new sponsor.
0: Who is it? Who, who's our sponsor? We love it. That we love having sponsors.
1: Well, our old friend Tyler Perry hasn't been giving us any advertising bucks for a while. But uh he's got a new show in the works on B.E.T. It's Tyler Perry presents Paul Deen's Down Home Soul Food Cooking. So uh I'd like to thank Tyler Perry again for sponsoring us and the fact that he was able to give Paula Deen a new a new show.
0: Is it a is it a theme show? Is it like from a you know a certain era? Like like does she have people in bow ties and white shirts and
1: it it's set in the antebellum south. That's all I know. They're keeping the tight lid on it. Um, but they're billing it as Paula Dean, the Ted Nugent of cooking. <laughs> uh, nice. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, you just recently ramped up your um, annual meeting of the mindless camping trip. I'm glad to see you survived and weren't eaten by a chupacabra.
0: We there. We saw no chupacabra. A lot of raccoon. Um, a lot. A lot of alcohol was consumed. It was. It was. Uh... I was impressed. We we had a big crowd this year. I don't know, there was like half a dozen campsites of people, and kind of everybody would congregate to our site, and we'd get drunk and play Cheap Trick. And, uh, yeah, it, it was very nice. It, we, we, had, we did a lot of drinking. Uh, one dude cooked a big pot of jambalaya over the fire. It was a good time.
1: Sounds like a great time. Now, I went to see the new Superman movie, Man of Steel. Have you seen this piece of shit yet? No, not yet. It's an orgy of violence. It's like every 30 seconds there's a skyscraper collapsing and the camera just sort of lingers on it and it hit me that the director Zack Snyder must have masturbated when the World Trade Centers came down on 9/11 the dude just loves the sight of a falling building and it's just disgusting because after about the fifth one falls and superman does nothing i'm thinking man there's got to be like 40,000 people dead now in those yeah, he yeah. <laughs> and he doesn't care Shouldn't he be taking the, you know, uh, Agent Van Alden over the ocean and scrapping with him there? I was going to ask how Van
0: Alden was. Were there speakeasies in the bottom of all those uh, buildings?
1: (laughs) No, and Paz de la Horta doesn't make an appearance either as the love interest, because I loved it when he knocked up that drunk hoe. But (laughs) uh, Van Alden's fantastic. The whole cast is great. The special effects are great. The movie looks great. But you leave feeling like, was that it? And it's disappointing because it could have been really good. And that uh, the British guy, you know, Angus Doodle probably would have made a better British Superman, but uh, the new guy is pretty good. I'll say that for him, but the movie's terrible. Huh. And uh, I saw the trailer for World War Z, and all this time I thought it was a movie about uh, Randy Jackson's uh, band uh, Zebra, but it's not. <laughs> I was a, I've been waiting for a, a, a Zebra biopic for years.
0: You never hear much of them anymore. They should be playing like melodic rock fest.
1: We've got to we got to look that guy up. Yeah, um, fans of Foon, if if we actually can call you fans, um, know that we we like to pick on Sammy Hagar quite a bit, and our, our buddy uh, Jason Bakken of uh, the great band out of Minnesota, Jesus Chrysler, who you you hear quite a bit on the SMUs hosted by my buddy Rob. He, uh, he finally had, had enough, and he wanted to step up and uh, defend Sammy, and we thank him for doing that, and as you can tell, he gets the better of us in this conversation.
0: Yeah, he called us out, and he said, I want to have a throwdown. I'm, I'm tired of you guys picking on Sam, and so we invited him on the show to talk about it, and here it is. Let's check it out. First off, why don't don't you introduce yourself to everybody, Baco? Tell the listeners out there just who the hell is this guy.
3: My name is Baco. I'm in a rock band in Minnesota called Jesus Chrysler. We are uh, over-underachievers, and uh, apparently I'm a gigantic defender of all things Sammy Hagar.
0: (laughs) We actually, you were going to be on one of the SMUs. We actually had a nice two, three-hour drinking session one night, and that was during the... uh, the great foon electronic crash of uh, 2011.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and 12, and then early 13. <laughs> yeah.
0: This this Mac crashed today when I was trying to load pictures into iPhoto.
1: Yeah, I, I,
3: um, I've i noticed in some of your posts that you are a huge supporter of all Apple products.
1: It's my fault. I made the crack when Steve Jobs died that uh, if he was so brilliant, he would have invented the eye pancreas. And ever since then, it's been downhill. <laughs> That was the first piece of hate mail we got too. Oh, really?
3: What was the hate mail?
1: Just because I was cracking on uh, Steve Jobs all the time with the eye pancreas joke, I kept plugging that joke for like three months until I got a laugh out of it. It never happened, but I was amused by it, and really, that's all that matters.
3: Yeah. <laughs> well, he did. Uh, he did uh, turn a lot of people into human sheep.
1: Well, and if he was that great, would Ashton Kutcher be playing him in a biopic? Well, that's news to me, but no. So, the new CD, Make Bold Statements, fantastic record. Meant to tell you that, if I haven't already. Great Thank record. You. Appreciate it.
0: And you you got a, a, when's the schedule? The follow-up
3: scheduled? Um, It's about, I don't know, roughly it's a little over half recorded. Okay. So. Uh, we don't really have a release date but uh based on how long everything took on that and you know we do it everything ourselves I would say probably 2 years from when the last one was done so another year and a half
0: If you need any technical assistance I'm sure I can come over and wave my hands over it and, and instantly double the amount of time it's going to take for it to come off come out
1: That sounds like a great idea <laughs> Is it true the working title's Chicken Foot 4? <laughs> <laughs>
3: Uh that's just yeah, a working title. Yes. No. Uh it's called uh actually we the 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 master plan at the beginning was to release both of them together considering that uh we have no label and uh no real resources. We figured we might as well do a double album, but the second one is called Deny It All Later. So it's supposed to be Make Bold Statements Deny It All Later. Chickenfoot 4. <laughs> <laughs>
1: If Rob and I can ever scrounge up the money and maybe we'll do a Kickstarter for it and actually do a legit Foon Fest, you guys have a spot on the bill. Yes.
3: All right, we're on our way to Ohio. Just let us know when. I assume that's where you'll, you'll have to.
1: <laughs> yes, you'll have to stay in the Kern family camper while you're there. We we don't have a whole lot for uh, room accommodations, but there will be beer and food.
3: All right, well, uh, that sounds uh, uh, better than most accommodations we would get. so <laughs> It has beer and food, therefore it already
1: edged out everything. At least from my experience. Well, this is how how out of the loop I am on Sammy Hagar these days, because I generally just tune him out. Um, There's a new HSAS record in the works.
3: Now, is that real? I think that was a bit.
1: No, with Michael Anthony replacing Aronson and Chad Smith replacing Shreve.
3: When I saw that, I took it like Sammy didn't realize that Satriani was also an S. (laughs) And, like, he missed the opportunity with Chickenfoot to just call it H-A-S-A-S-N. I guess maybe I'm misinformed. uh, I'll have to talk to Sammy and get the straight details, but I took it as sarcasm because it was so stupid.
0: Well, you know, it really limits because you've got to when you – it's kind of like ELP, you know, when they came back with Emerson, Lake, and Powell. You know, they they had to limit themselves to, like, known entities that ended in P.
3: Well, I do know what you're talking about, but you are getting a little outside my age structure. I think that happened, I don't know, when I was two.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, and, and I think that when we talk about age structure, I think that's a lot of the difference between the David Lee Roth fans and the Sammy Hagar fans. It seems like there's almost an age bracket where you can draw a line in the sand, and most people fall one way or the other.
3: I will say that um, uh, if it pleases the court, my defense is in the inability of David LaRoth fans to accept a different singer. Like It really wouldn't matter who it was, and that has largely tainted the, uh, the, uh, the negativity towards Sammy Hagar.
0: I do agree, because I, I can tolerate Sammy Solo, but after Van Halen, it's just he it just soured the whole thing for me.
1: The only Sammy solo I can tolerate is probably the Standing Hampton record. The first Montrose record, as much as it pains me to admit, is a a classic staple of American hard rock. Um, It really kind of set the tone, really even for Van Halen and what came after him. But I draw the line at the rest of Sammy's output. I mean, Give to Live, that's just a god-awful song. Where Eagles Fly... I never saw so many people leave a 20,000-seat venue to go pee or go get a beer, as I did when uh, he broke into that. I do like Sammy. I I do respect
3: his work in Van Halen, and I just think he's an overall good guy. But if you like, I'll open with my statements. Please do. Sammy Hagar is a rock and roll icon and lyrical genius, the type of which has not been seen prior or since. In one hand, rock royalty, in the other hand, heavy metal poet for the people. One need look no further than the song Mastaquila as evidence of the wordsmith I call Sammy Hagar. As a self-proclaimed expert on all things Sammy, I find it an honor to expose the inappropriate level of respect for the Red Rocker and to defend the honor of the man who saved Van Halen. This is not just an opportunity to defend Sammy, it is an opportunity to put a face on anti-Semitism. That face has two faces. Those faces are Eric and Rob, hosts of the podcast from out of nowhere and pathological anti-Samites. Thank you.
1: Wow. That's a passionate defense. Did I get it if going? Paula Dean had you repre- Yeah, I mean if Paula <laughs> Dean had you representing her, she'd still be on the food network right now.
3: Yeah, she should have given me a call. I could have taken care of that.
1: Yeah,
0: I, I will. I'll plead to, I'll agree that I'm an anti-Semite, and you know my <laughs> m- my wife is too. That was well, one of the things that, that that led me to marry her. Actually,
3: your uh, your status at the Food Network is in jeopardy. <laughs> <laughs> what? I mean, what? His name a... is Sammy. Who hates someone named Sammy?
0: How do you how do you defend actions like? Those goofy songs where he'd spell out Trans Am—I I just that—that that to me is like whistling in heavy metal. The spelling of, of 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 words.
3: Well, I guess he could have done a cover of Happy Trails, <laughs> or maybe Pretty Woman, or Dancing in the Street.
0: That album is the greatest backyard barbecue record ever. Diver Down oh. is phenomenal. <laughs> One of the greatest albums ever recorded by Van Halen, and they only had like two original songs on it.
3: Ah, that was, that, that stuff, that album's horseshit. That is when it kind of became clear that David LaRoth was kind of running the show, and, you know, if you look at things historically, you know, Eddie was just a drunk kind of going with the flow who got sick of working with Dave. But it turns out everybody got sick of working with Eddie.
1: Now, what was your introduction to Hagar? Let, let, let's let set this. When did when were you introduced to Sammy?
3: Uh, you know, I probably knew a couple of his songs before I knew it was him. I really got to say, I definitely knew who he was before this, but I think the first time that it became clear who he was was probably I Can't Drive 55, another lyrical, just it, it, like a poet.
1: <laughs> now, you're not can't the drive least 55. bit bothered by the you're not the least bit bothered by the fact that mass tequila is essentially a rip off of gary glitter's uh, rock and roll which might mean that hagar condones pedophilia <laughs> maybe that's why people well, are anti-semites
3: and some people might consider that a bit of a stretch but um going with that argument um unlike some people who have blatantly plagiarized other artists he did actually credit him uh, as a songwriting credit on it.
1: Well, that puts him one step ahead of the hip hop community.
0: I didn't. I I just yes. always assumed that he didn't put him on there. I assumed that he went to whatever prison in Thailand he was at, and and they sat down and collaborated. Is is how I
1: take that. <laughs> I would even counter that Hagar wanted to be associated with Gary Glitter. That he went out of his way not just to credit him, but to say, you know what, I agree with the buggering of little boys in Thailand.
0: <laughs> <laughs> is is Sam Catholic? Do we have confirmation whether what what his religious affiliation is?
3: Um, I I think he's um, I got nothing. Catholic. <laughs> uh, um,
0: I I think you know, I. Like- I think Eric is kind of with me. Probably, Eric, your first experience with Sammy was uh, kind of mine. You, you found as we found his cassettes of his earlier Capitol stuff in the in like the bargain bin at Twin Fair.
1: Yeah, that came after. Actually, I will say my introduction was a positive one. It would have been Standing Hampton. Yeah, a that great was, what, record. too Yeah, and then I discovered the other stuff in the cutout bin and said, "God, this is horrible."
3: The recordings yeah. that he did, uh, um, I, I, what was which what label was Standing Hampton on? when he switched to that? It seemed like his sound got better.
0: Yeah, that was. Uh, was that Geffen. Yeah, he had switched to Geffen yeah. at that point.
3: Yeah. Okay. So it is the Capitol era stuff that's all just shitty sounding and like the, the album artworks is, are, are all just crap and focused and, on red a lot.
0: Yes. Yeah. yeah. A lot. A lot of songs about red. And I assume that's his Sammy whole...
3: Sammy about what he believes in, and he believes in aliens, and he believes in the color red, and the power of the numbers 10 and 13.
1: <laughs> so yeah. he's a numerologist as well. Yes.
0: And a colorologist, I guess, because of the whole red thing. I don't know how that how that fits in. Now, I, yeah. I liked Standing Hampton, and then I would go back and buy those cassettes, and those cassettes had their moments... I think another turning point for me was that 3-lock box album where he did that, you know, because back in the back in the day, you if the rock guy would do a single with kind of like a hot chick. And so he did one on that. What was it? Remember the Heroes with uh with the guy from Loverboy.
1: Mike Reno, another reason why we should hate Sammy Hagar. If you're if you're partnering up with a fat guy in leather pants, red leather pants. Maybe that was why he chose him. Was Anne? You know, we can do that with Dave
0: too. Come on. Was Was Ann Wilson busy that week when they recorded <laughs> it, or what?
1: <laughs> Robin Sander will return his calls.
3: Hey, Steve Vai left David LaRoth to join White Snake. You don't quit your job at Taco Bell to join White Snake.
1: <laughs> Vivian Campbell joined White Snake. What's that say?
3: And he went to Def Leppard. That's kind of a
1: lateral movement. And now he has cancer. Look what Def Leppard did to him.
3: I think he got cancer for being a dick to Dio when he was alive and then <laughs> nice to him when he was dead.
1: Rob and I are going to start a new character called Evil Dio with Dio from beyond the grave settling all of his scores.
3: <laughs> well, is one of his scores that he has to settle being so short? Maybe he
1: wants to be
4: able
1: to yes. help. Vin- I... Vin- Vinny Ampacy went and had a colonoscopy this week. Nobody is leaving any stones unturned as evil Dio is on the prowl.
3: <laughs> <laughs> uh, what it, uh, uh, well, I thought him and Vinny were like really good buddies.
1: I don't think Dio was really good buddies with anybody but Craig Goldie. It's the only thing that explains why Goldie kept getting work. <laughs>
3: they really Here's didn't do another. much outside, outside of
1: Dio. <laughs> Here's another thing about the, the the Hagar Capital era, when Rick Springfield has a hit with one of your songs and it's far superior than yours. <laughs> that says something poorly about you. How, could, that. Rick Spring- Sammy How could Rick Springfield better? How could Rick Springfield rock harder than Sammy did on that song?
3: He didn't. Sammy rocked harder.
1: Now, I will say in Hagar's defense, Capital had no clue what to do with him. They did try and pop him up quite a bit. Yeah.
3: He got kicked off of the Kiss tour, the Dynasty tour, for swearing. That's pretty fucking rocking.
0: Yeah, yeah, well, the Kiss were still angling for the kids at that point.
3: Well, actually, they were angling only for the kids. There's your uh, Gary Glitter connection. (laughs) (laughs) I was one of those kids, so I probably should be quiet. (laughs) Like nine years old when that record came out.
1: Please tune in next week to our very special episode, "Touched by a Demon: The Jason Bakken Story."
3: <laughs> oh God, uh, this is turning into a Michael Jackson theme. I just—if hey, Sam—if if they can throw uh, Michael Jackson a multi-million-dollar taxpayer-funded funeral, Sammy Hagar can borrow a drum beat from Gary Glitter.
0: Now, I I still think, you know, you make fun of David Lee Roth, but I think his whole twirling a stick thing is much cooler than Sammy's whole alien nonsense.
3: You mean like when he brings that samurai sword out?
4: Yeah, God, yeah.
3: Come on, that is silly. It's like he he's like those, I don't know, those uh, martial arts douchebags that call their apartments dojos. It's like they just take it too serious, but they are really got nothing but just a little bit of stick twirling.
1: See, Dave epitomized what was like the American dream. He was the California beach guy fronting, at the time, the world's greatest rock and roll band.
4: Yeah, you know, I
3: mean, it's it's difficult for me to use Dave as an example because he's got plenty of dipshit stuff, but I actually, I'm a fan of both and for different reasons, but uh, I, I think Dave doesn't get enough credit for basically inventing uh, – a frontman persona that was just copied by everybody that did hair metal in the 80s.
1: Well, Dave was the definitive frontman in a lot of ways. I mean, he really kind of took what Robert Plant did, and then he kind of camped it up. He turned it into old-style vaudeville entertainment.
3: And he gets uh, portrayed as kind of a doofus for some of the things he says, and I I think unfairly so, to be honest, because... Uh, nobody says that about Steven Tyler and that guy's a way bigger idiot by what comes out of his mouth than David is. Dave actually makes sense. If you listen to what he's saying in context, yeah, it's a little goofy and out of out of your little norm, but it's not just nonsense and Steven Tyler, I don't I don't think he's in the same realm as far as when it comes to that goofy crap.
1: Well, and to Dave's credit, he never was a guest a ju- or a judge on American Idol either. That's sort of the <laughs> ultimate jumping the shark moment.
4: Yeah.
1: And plus, in Dave's book, he never confessed to having homosexual relations. Not that there's anything wrong with that, unless you're Steven Tyler.
3: Well, I didn't read his book, so.
1: Neither did I. There was just an excerpt of that or some reference to it on a thread on Metal Sludge. And I'm like, well, I don't need to read this. <laughs>
0: Now, one thing I will give Sammy points on is just his, you know, his whole business sense, because he had that mountain bike thing early. He was in the mountain, but, you know, I- I'm into beer, but I can't turn it into some kind of multi-million dollar, oh, I heard that, hang on, let me,
4: but, <laughs> oh, yeah. nice.
0: he had that, you know, he had that mountain bike company, and then, you know, the whole Cabo Wabo thing, now he's releasing, I don't know, Sammy's. Sub and you know, battery of the month club
2: shops.
3: Well, now he has, as far as all that stuff, kind of turned into the, to a little more like Gene Simmons, where he just puts his name on shit. But when he started out doing like even the Cabo Wabo tequila, it didn't say Sammy Hager's Cabo Wabo tequila, right? You know, it wasn't until uh, oh god, what's that Eagles manager that got involved, Irv Azoff, I think is his name, yeah,
1: uh, Irving uh, Azoff, yeah
3: where he was trying to basically negotiate a Van Halen reunion, either with Dave or Sammy, whichever one he can get going first. And basically, he just invited Sammy to his office and hooked him up with a a distribution deal for his booze. But he also, like, uh, started a sprinkler company uh, for, like, apartment buildings, like, um, and became, like, the second largest. And this was before he, like, you know, even right around Standing Hampton time, I think. But made a lot of money doing that and gave it to his brother. He tours now just to keep his band employed.
0: Yeah, I I do like that. I do like how he kind of uh you know, kept Michael Anthony in hot sauce by bringing him out. <laughs>
3: <laughs> that yeah, because- hot sauce tastes way different than every other celebrity hot sauce out there.
0: I don't go for the whole celebrity hot sauce thing. I, I like it where it's like, you know, there's like fire coming out of somebody's ass on the label. That's the stuff I go for.
3: I'm actually with y'all, yeah, the celebrity. It, now it's turned to celebrity headphones. That's my my new beef. But it uh, seems like a hot sauce for a while. Um, what's that guy from Tool does vineyards? Yeah. It's like, I, I don't want my rock stars fucking making wine, man. I want them passing out and vomiting somewhere. It's just... And not off of a fine Pinot. I just
1: So you're not drinking a bottle of Jeff Tate's Operation Mind Wine?
3: <laughs> no. He's the, he's the one who gets a pass because he's so fucking weird. He, he he it makes sense that he's making wine.
0: I could just see him walking through the vineyards with his eyeliner on and his vest, you know, sweating a little bit and crushing the wines and you know Rubbing him on his goatee.
1: He looks like he should have been the villain in one of those Schwarzenegger Conan the Barbarian movies. Yeah, that,
3: yeah that's... Uh, <laughs> he could have
1: replaced Gene Simmons in uh, Runaway. <laughs> Anybody could have replaced Gene Simmons in Runaway.
0: Well, and, and also business-wise, Sam had there around that whole VOA era, you know, the whole Ronald McDonald thing going on, too.
1: <laughs> oh, God.
3: You telling me that that court scene uh, in the "I Can't Drive 55" video, where they're all wearing like somewhat matching jumpsuits, that you weren't like, "That is what I'm going to look like tomorrow when I go to school."
0: <laughs> See, I thought I I thought it was just ripping off the Devo look poorly.
3: Like I was so pissed off, my stepmom would not make me one of those. <laughs> you know, um, when I actually became a uh, like kind of a devout follower of Sammy. um when he played uh, in Minneapolis live, this is after Van Halen uh, with whatever his band is, the Wabos. Um, They did a a free uh, um, street fair, and it was fucking great. Well, realized, it like,
1: it that? was free. It had to be good. It was free.
3: No, uh, it wasn't because it was free. It was it was actually a really good show. Man, he has like you know like passing out drinks while he's up there. He's got uh, people on stage. He got a little bar and. And the music was awesome. He, 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 and by the way, nobody sounds better after doing as long as he does, as he does. You know, I mean, you know, you look at some of the uh, all timers, they've all lost a little something in the voice, but, uh, direct TV showed chicken foot at like fucking, uh, rock Oklahoma, and they did rock candy and it sounded, I mean, he sounded fucking just like, you know, he did
1: back when it was recorded.
0: Yeah. Sam has, he has kept himself fit. I will give him that.
1: I don't know about fit. He's going to be uh, 67, I think, mm-hmm. this year, which makes him my mom's age, which is another reason for him to be not cool. <laughs> and my mom has red hair, too. And a matter of fact, I saw her yesterday. She was wearing that red and yellow jumpsuit.
3: <laughs> well, how fucking old is Dave? It's not like he's... he It's not like Dave looks better, by the way. Dave looks like the fucking librarian at high school nowadays. A, a well-dressed, uh, vested one, but...
1: I think, if nothing else, when we, we wrap up this conversation tonight, we'll all come to agreement that Gary Sharon was the worst singer in Van Halen history.
3: Um, well, I didn't prepare for that, but I strongly disagree. He was fucking phenomenal.
1: It was
0: just a bad record. Oof, That record was no good.
3: You guys really don't like that record?
0: No, yeah, I, b- that I bought awful. it. They aptly named it Three because it, that way they could just, when people took it to the used record stores, they didn't have to put a price tag on it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it was actually free with purchase of the best of Depeche mode. Well, the, the only that time, record that. Uh,
3: I don't mind the record. It's definitely not great. And yeah, Gary showing is hands down the. It was just time to move on, kind of like what Kish should have done a long time ago. But. Um, it, I just didn't, uh, I was such a fan of Eddie and, and he, the music on there is really good and I, and I don't hate Gary Sharon's voice, but, uh, I don't know. It, it definitely wasn't Van Halen. Let's put it that way.
1: I remember seeing an MTV concert from Australia from that tour where Alex is wearing a neck brace, like he should be finding an ambulance chaser attorney to file a <laughs> lawsuit. Well, and if it he was right an
3: ambulance. With... He could have called David LaRotte.
1: That's right. <laughs> point for mr buck and um (laughs) and and there's eddie needing the hip replacement so he's just kind of like leaning against the drum riser and Sharon's all prancy like he's freddie mercury's bastard child and it was just pathetic even mike anthony's like what the fuck am i doing up here
4: it was just one of those are
3: are big fans of that metal show and i remember um
4: uh
3: (laughs) when um nuno and uh gary were on there uh, Nuno made a big point to talk about how he was the best singer in Van Halen and I felt bad for Nuno because that was about the dumbest thing he could have said Yeah, you just stay out of it man Why bring it up
1: you know what I love about Nuno is he catches a lot of shit from these hardcore guys about touring with Rihanna and I'm like are you kidding me do you realize what kind of money he's pulling down for doing this as opposed to what he would get for an extreme reunion tour
3: yeah, I mean, he's at that age where he does have to, like, you know, factor what kind of uh, earning he's he's making at the time. But uh, I've never found the payday as, as, as a justification for whether it's good or not. It's oh, just a uh, reason to do it.
1: Oh, I, I agree with you completely with that. But, you know, I can't begrudge the guy for wanting to stay in first class hotels and, you know, fly first class to go do shows.
3: Yeah, I, I don't think I'd turn down the gig.
1: Rob, in fact, is is president of the Rihanna uh, fan club. He doesn't like to admit that, but I'm going to out him now.
0: Yeah, it's something I do on the you know just just something I do every morning. I do well, my I do my fifty, 50 push.
1: To Rihanna today. <laughs>
3: yeah,
0: I, well, I do my fifty push-ups and then then send out about four hundred tweets about you know what Rihanna's up to today.
1: <laughs> and, and, and then he goes to mass. It's a full day. Yes,
4: goes to
0: mass. <laughs> Now, one thing I I would love to see is, you know, how we have the different versions of Queensryche. You know, we've got Jeff Tate's Queensryche and then whatever the other, Todd LaTorre, whoever they're singing with them. I want to see this branch off even into, like, Sammy Hagar. I'd love to see, like, one of Sammy's old sidemen, like Bill Church's Sammy Hagar. (laughs) Where they would just bring out some guy with floppy blonde hair and put him in that jumpsuit and, and sing the songs.
1: Some well, guy they, they found at Home Depot.
3: Why does it have to be Home Depot? Do you not like Menards? <laughs>
0: we haven't, no, no, ha- so we haven't had a big rock star come from Menards yet. I'm all about saving big money at Menards, but right now we know Home Depot is the breeding ground for new rock.
4: Well,
3: then i got to be tuned into this. Who are we talking about?
1: Uh, Boston had uh, found their Brad Delp replacement at Home Depot. Indeed. He apparently he apparently safely operated a grill like little, so literally found him in
3: Home Depot like they were shopping and he was on a shelf
4: or...
1: <laughs> that would be too convenient. Now, the guy had YouTube videos. Oh. And so a- after Brad Dalt died in a tragic grill mishap, um, they figured, <laughs> hey, this guy must know his way around a gas grill. Let's go ahead and sign him up. It'll be safe.
0: The yes guy, wasn't he like an insurance man or or like an IT guy at, at some lumber reply place supply place? I can't remember.
1: I don't know, it's yes. I could care less. And that gas grill comment was a bit insensitive, Eric. Um Brad Delp used charcoal. Grill <laughs> men used charcoal. <laughs>
3: yeah.
1: Maybe that was Brad Delp's shame. Maybe that's why he took himself out because he used propane. I'll tell you what. <laughs> yeah these brad Delp jokes never get old for me (laughs)
3: yeah uh that whole lawsuit with their family suing um because like he wasn't nice to him basically Uh,
1: he hurt his feelings by taking him all across america and having him perform on the biggest selling debut album of all time the bastard how insensitive
0: well then, then didn't didn't they finally leak then at that point that he was you know banging his sister in law or whatever and
3: no he was videotaping his uh, girlfriend or fiance's daughter oh at, it a daughter? with a closet okay. cam or something like that oh
1: jeez yeah he was uh, doing the stuck berry on her
3: so they uh, they discovered that and for some reason he killed himself shortly after so. And she was like a minor, you know. There's your Gary Glitter connection again. It just keeps coming back. <laughs>
4: Damn
1: it! All, all roads lead to Gary Glitter. <laughs> Before we're done, we'll link Obama to, to Gary Glitter. It'll bring down the presidency.
0: Now, uh, now, what grade were you in when uh, five one five zero, as I like to call it, came out?
3: Still had a paper out, but I want to say ninth grade. Okay, that
0: was yeah. eighty five, right? Yeah, eighty five ish. Yeah. See, we, I was a. Uh, I was a senior, Eric was probably a junior, and we were more firmly entrenched in the Dave camp at that point.
1: I was a sophomore. I remember buying the record and coming away, what the fuck is this? Once I got to Dreams, and that's like, what, the third track on side one? I'm like, I don't think I like this.
3: Fuck that, that song's fucking awesome. I love that whole record. My whole basis of a Dave versus uh, Sammy thing comes down to this: like, if I was to make like the ten favorite Van Halen tunes, there might be one or two Sammy, but if I want to listen to an album front to back, which I'm a big fan of, there it's, I think it's Van Halen one, then the four Sammy records, and then '84. I just I don't think the records are good with Dave. I, I, the, the songs they, they just as far as an album being, I mean, there's great songs and they're, they're the best songs of the catalog. But I, I just think the albums are stronger. They're more consistent with Sammy. Not think, that there aren't some spots that uh, are a little weak, but
1: uh, one is just a complete classic record from from top to bottom, and it should be because you know they yes. demoed that and played those songs forever. Um, two was a little rushed, but I really like two a lot um women and children first fair warning are kind of hit and miss for me there's some songs i like on those but i'll buy your argument there that those albums are weaker i'm with rob on diver down there is no no better summertime summertime record you put that on and the beers go down smooth the burgers taste better your in-laws are more tolerable perfect record and 1984 Uh, was just chock full of hooks and and great tunes
3: it's a great album um I just I can't get my arms around Diver down. It's it's so fucking stupid. Mm-hmm. It, it it it's silly. It just it was kind of almost like the first sign that like David Laroth wasn't quite as cool as he, <laughs> as you thought he was. I I think David Laroth, you know, uh uh lovers and haters of Sammy, you have to be both. Um like they time capsule him in that uh Hot for Teacher video, and that's the guy they think of. But I, I, he's done so much goofy shit over the years, uh, you know, far more than Sammy. And I just he the only his only saving grace is that like uh, his botches and in and, and weird stuff weren't giant hits that Pepsi used to make a commercial. You know, and where Sammy like he would the stuff that I really don't like by him and Van Halen was typically the stuff that MTV played the shit out of.
0: I, yeah, I, I I think that if David Lee Roth Van Halen is like a bag of potato chips and the Sammy Hagar era Van Halen is, is a lean.
1: So listening to Sammy will make you crap your pants? Yes. Okay, or, it took me a second to figure out, out what you now.
0: said there. So
3: you were referring to that. Uh,
0: Van Halen with David Lee Roth is a potato chip. The Sammy era is the a lean. And you mix yes. the two and you're going to have a leaky anus.
1: Okay. Now, in Dave's defense, he never wrote a lyric as bad as Only Time Will Tell If We Stand the Test of Time. And he never wrote Up up for Breakfast or Pound Cake. God, I hate Pound Cake. That song's just awful. You're awful. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not going to argue that. You're dead on right.
4: Well, all
3: right, what about Mine on oh, Mine? Black and Blue. Finish what you started. Run around. The dream is over. Seven Steel, Can't Stop Loving You. Good enough. Get up. Best of both worlds.
0: I literally know like three of those songs. It was just like you were saying random words. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, like I said, if you're making the top test best Van Halen songs, these aren't going to crack the top ten.
1: I could probably do top 30 and the Hagar wouldn't be on there.
3: Well, it's because you're an anti
1: well, And I agree. I am an anti semite
3: I, I saw um, Van Halen on the Monsters of Rock tour um, when they came through here, and, um, and, and Sammy wasn't like a dick about playing Dave tunes. He embraced it and kicked ass. It was awesome.
1: Because he had to. Because he had to do the Dave songs. I have this argument with my wife, who unlike Rob's wife, my wife likes Sammy. She actually prefers Sammy over Dave, and she can't understand why Dave doesn't do Sammy songs. And I always end the argument the same way because Dave doesn't have to do Sammy songs.
3: Sammy showers with a parrot.
1: (laughs) So (laughs) does Jimmy Buffett. Doesn't
3: want to shower with a parrot.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Sammy Hagar is Jimmy Buffett with more hair. There's really no difference between the two of them. They should both set sail to Margaritaville together. They'd be very happy.
3: If if that was true, then Jimmy Buffett would be the second greatest singer in Van Halen.
1: (laughs) I look forward to Jimmy Buffett fronting Van Halen. It could be interesting.
3: (laughs) And I think you're more likely to get Dave singing Margaritaville.
1: Yeah, it's a possibility. I wouldn't put anything past Dave. One of of Rob's favorite uh, David Lee Roth releases was his No Holds Barbecue DVD. That still messes with Rob to this day. Wait a second.
3: That was officially released?
0: I know. I got it kind of through unofficial channels. And you watch it, and it makes no goddamn sense at all until you put the second disc in with his commentary. And basically, the commentary kind of seems like he just did like three or four lines and said, Let's do this, hit record. He starts talking and pretty much doesn't take a breath for the entire video. And when he explains it, it makes perfect sense. It's like, that oh my god! Like a
3: lot of the videos we do. <laughs> oh, actually, that's a that is classic Dave. And um, he, he I, I, I'll say it once, many times, but uh, just he's far more brilliant than he gives credit for. He, he's not an idiot. He's not a buffoon or a doofus. He's just a little bit uh, different and smarter than most people.
0: Now, what did, did you, you, what did you think of the HSAS record when that came out?
3: Um, my actual exposure to that was that MTV concert that they played every Friday for about two years. Yeah. <laughs> um, I uh, I think I own it on vinyl somewhere, but um, I, I don't know that I've ever actually sat down and listened to it. They did a cover of uh, Janis Joplin, if I remember right, and that was horse shit. Um, and is there a a, a more... I don't know a bigger waste of talent than Neil Shone. It's just like why are you in journey?
0: he never he it seems like he just never cuts loose well I guess in that musical environment he's not able to, but you can just hear him strain sometimes, especially on some of the older journey stuff that he really wants to cut loose and shred, but he you know he can't
3: well, I'm pretty sure there's only one journey song that has guitar on it
1: <laughs> if if you if you want to hear Neil Shone shred, you have to dig up his records with Jan Hammer. What about Hardline? Oh, I forgot about that yeah. record.
4: Rhythm and a Red Schoen. Car,
1: bitch. Neil, Neil Schoen is uh, sort of like the Michael Bolton of the guitar.
3: Oh, my God, that's brilliant.
1: You know, because he's very popular with the ladies, because, you know, he's been married five times. He pays <laughs> Hey, more. to a
3: Minnesota girl who uh, he's uh, recently fighting with.
1: Yeah, and, you know, I think he was kind of in the right with that because he was paying her, like, a shit ton of money for uh, not only just alimony but child support and all sorts of other expenses, and she went back. What is it with um,
3: all these rock stars that come to Minnesota to get their wife, uh, Billy Joel from Green Days, married a Minnesota girl, and uh, the only, uh, the the pinnacle of my uh, one-to-one sitting in a room with uh, with a rock star experience, uh, the drone from Night Ranger, um... Married a girl from Northfield, Minnesota. Kelly Keegi. Took yeah. me a second to remember his name.
1: Yeah. There
0: must be something. There must be something going on that we don't know about.
1: <laughs> I live here and I don't know about it. <laughs> Isn't it the dream of every Minnesotan girl to marry the drummer from Night Ranger? Well, mm, well, it was my dream, but. Uh... <laughs> you had to settle for the bald keyboard player. Yes.
0: <laughs> no, he wasn't bald. He just like wearing a hat.
1: Yeah, that, Brian Johnson has a full head of hair, too.
3: Who do you guys think is the coolest keyboard player of all time? <laughs> Fats Domino.
1: Yeah, nah, that's too good go. of an
3: answer. I was yeah. looking for something like uh, the guy from Bon Jovi. Or I'm going to go with Gary Corbett, who stood off stage of Kiss for about a decade.
0: Yeah, yeah. What do you, uh, I mean, we're kind of getting off track here, but that's okay. We can ramble. How bad do you feel for Paul in those clips lately with his voice?
3: You know, not that bad. I mean, it's uh, uh, he's just getting old. I don't think he sounds horrible, but yeah, it's there's clearly something going on. They just showed a t uh, uh, one of his concerts on DirecTV, for one of a uh, Kiss in Germany, it was a couple nights ago, and I was actually um, as a Kiss fan, just overwhelmed with this desire that they just stop. His outfit looks stupid. The whole band looks lifeless. They're perfect. They're robotic, and there's no energy. There's no urgency, and it's exactly everything that I didn't want Kiss to turn into. They're, I'd rather they just quit. They're settled.
1: not Kiss anymore. They're playing Kiss. There's a big difference now when yeah, you watch
3: them. Yeah, and it's it, it's stupid as shit. You know, I mean, uh, they they they're not Paul, Gene, and Tommy and Eric. They're Starchild, Demon, Cat, and. Spaceman, as if somehow that makes everything okay. It's like, it's fucking stupid.
0: Well, and they've settled into that rut kind of like they did in the 80s where they just never changed the fucking set list. I used to yeah. hate that.
3: And, and, and the, you know, I call them like kiss freaks, or whatever, the Kool Aid drinkers, whatever. I, I have a room dedicated to kiss. I know what, you know, these guys are going through and I don't understand how they accept it. This last album, Monster, was a pile of shit. The one before that sucked as much. They sound like Asylum, but the songs that weren't good enough to be on Asylum, which was a horrible fucking record. Ouch. And it's just, it's just like, why are you continuing to support this nonsense? These guys look old. They're dressed up in outfits that, in makeup, and they still look like your grandfather.
2: It's just, it's, it's enough. I saw
3: Paul on a solo tour a few years ago, and it was great. Yeah. You heard songs. You went typically. There was life. It was energy, and I was excited. Now, I've, I haven't fucking had a desire to see Kiss since some Peter left. That's what I think, Rob.
1: <laughs> Rob was once like you with the kiss room, but now Rob's to the point that he won't even take his 13-year-old son to see them.
0: Yeah, and I, Last... took, I took my daughter, but I just have no desire to take my son to see him. I, I don't want him to see him like this.
1: I, I've
3: uh, trained my stepdaughter well. She actually refers to current kiss as fake kiss.
1: She probably posts anti-kiss threads on Metal Sludge now.
3: <laughs> uh she's not that interested now. Um, but uh, that's so a I shame. Take... I'd
1: enjoy her take.
3: Yeah, <laughs> I'll, I'll let her know. Uh, she's more into Slipknot.
1: Eh, it's better than corn. <laughs>
3: yeah. <laughs> there ain't much that isn't so.
0: So basically, we're still down to we've decided that it's almost an age thing with with Sammy. You're you're only a few years younger than us, but it's just enough to where it made that little bit of difference because you were just kind of coming into your teenage years when when Sammy appeared.
3: Yeah, and it, really the the MTV era for Van Halen was mainly 1984 uh, with with David LaRoth, and then after that it was Sammy.
1: Yeah. Well, they were too cool to do videos for five one five zero. Then they had the Blue Angels and the Dreams video, and that was the only video they did. Then they did the concert video, Live Without a Net, which they did that stupid little choreographed thing where they strutted around stage, and I never wanted to kill somebody as badly as I did when I saw that.
3: You mean that awesome bit during Best of Both Worlds?
1: If you want to describe it as awesome, I like to think of it as asinine and horrific. Uh, Where they
3: lean their heads into the back of the person in front of them and walk back and forth?
1: It looked like the Nazis marching, if it had been choreographed by Mel Brooks. I mean, it was. Well, just they were really sweaty bad. and
3: tired, so it was probably more like the. Well, I'm not going to go there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Let me grab a quick beer.
1: Like maybe the Nazis were behind. <laughs> they were running from them. Didn't they do a Zeppelin cover on that tour too? Didn't they? They do did rock and roll? roll.
3: Um, they did a pretty good one of it. I think they did it at live aid. Okay. I don't know if it's in that video. I'm actually as huge of a, a, a Sammy fan I am. But, uh, I'm actually a bigger Eddie Van Halen fan than Sammy, as far as uh, just being into a, a musician, but
1: uh, I like Sammy. Everybody has to love Eddie. I, I don't know that I've ever had a conversation with anyone that... Eddie, at least as a musician, as a person, he's probably fairly loathsome. But... I uh, know...
4: So- yeah. Okay.
3: Um, I get it a lot from like some of the the Kiss fans that I talk to that they 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 want these people to be like great human beings and they're just not. And I, that never really mattered to me that much. I give Eddie a pass just for the fact that I think that you know he basically does anything he wants to and he does it better than most people. You know he can do any you know style of music and it still sounds like him and yeah you know, it it's it's good.
0: I think one one thing that has been lost to the sands of time, and this was one of the things that really kind of drove home my dislike of Sammy Hagar, was that goofy-ass hand symbol thing they used to do, and it was on that DVD. What the hell was that? Do you guys remember that?
3: I do, and it's fucking awesome. <laughs>
1: I'm drawing a blank. Maybe it's a repressed memory that it will come out of me at 3 a.m. and I'll wake up screaming.
0: It was like something that Diamond Dallas Page would do before he'd do his, you know, diamond
4: It
3: was kind of like the moves. metal horns with the thumb out, but then you put the two hands together over your head and you connect the thumb and index finger. And it was on oh the back goodness. of their shirts for that show. Um, it, it, why does Sammy get blamed for that and nobody else in anyone.
0: Because they didn't do that nonsense when David Lee Roth was there.
3: Yeah, they did uh, other nonsense when David Lee Roth was there, like uh,
1: uh, Happy Trails.
3: Did I use Happy Trails already? I'm going to go with uh, Really Got Me.
1: One of the best rock and roll covers of all time.
3: I'm not a big fan of rock and roll covers. Uh, You're no good.
1: That was kind of done at Warner Brothers and Systems. They did. Didn't have enough clout yet to fight that, and they were very pissed that that was the lead single.
3: And why did they keep letting Ted Templeton throw all the guitar in one speaker? I mean, this was the '70s. There was cars that only had one speaker for a radio.
0: <laughs> yeah, those were always odd. The the mix on them was kind of. I remember playing them on my little uh, cassette that just had cassette player that just had one speaker, and it was always a little disconcerting as a kid. <laughs>
3: How did Ted Templeton know which one you were going to get to hear? Because
0: <laughs> <laughs> he worked for GM.
3: He must hey, know.
0: He was in kind I don't have
3: this confirmed, but uh, uh, my understanding is that Gene did not discover Van Halen. Paul did and took Gene to see him, and Gene took the,
1: the lead from there. I, I, that wouldn't surprise me.
0: Yeah, I read that recently too, and yeah, that wouldn't surprise me.
1: I always liked the story that Gene said that Eddie wanted to quit Van Halen and join KISS. Love that story. Well,
3: Gene doesn't understand sarcasm.
1: Yeah, exactly.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Eddie was probably really drunk that night. Well, didn't didn't yeah, he's Gene? Yeah, he was
3: probably drunk, just speaking out of whatever. I don't doubt that the, the phrase came out of his mouth. Yeah. But yeah, it was just probably like a God, I'm so frustrated. Fuck, I am out well join Kiss. You know, but Gene's like, Eddie has to join Kiss. Uh, paint an onk on my
0: face. onk yeah, <laughs> on my face.
1: Which is actually the name of Vinnie Vincent's biography. Oh, By nice the way, kid.
3: Gary Glitter will never let Vinnie Vincent watch his dogs again. <laughs> <laughs>
1: You're still bitter because you paid 150 bucks for your cassette box set from Benny Vincent. It never arrived.
0: When's that fucker gonna show up? goddammit? I've got the tracking number.
1: <laughs> Man, you know, you know, Mark St. John got off easy. He got beat to death in jail. Benny Vincent had to live.
4: So we,
1: so we could mock him. I still want to do Saint,
0: a. I still want to do a Foon feature film where we go to nashville and 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 become sleuths kind of like scooby-doo and drive around in a van and track Vinny down and film the whole thing
3: and i of, like this guy who keeps giving you badly what's that i want to be in the movie <laughs> the <wrong. laughs> he's, he's
0: over, over here. he's over there no you wrong trailer park i told you the other
1: one it'd be it'd be like a cross between the blair witch project and in search of with leonard nimoy
3: Oh, we gotta get him.
1: Rob and I've talked about doing that too with Dave Chappelle because he lives in Ohio. But now Chappelle's starting to return a little bit to the public eye, so we'll have to go after Vinnie Vincent because you know, after Dave um, Chappell, Vinnie Vincent's such you, a household name.
3: You guys have to remember when, like, um, satanic uh, messages and music was pretty serious stuff. Yeah. I mean, because I do, and you're a little older than I am. Um, sticks, sticks uh,
0: put Satan, in. they had Satan in their their lyrics. I remember that shit. Of
3: course they did. I mean, the, if that's not the devil's music, I don't know what is. But um, when the 5150 came out, um, my sister was uh, her future husband had some friends who were big born again born again guys, and they um, the song "Best of Both Worlds." They were explaining to me how it was satanic. Because it talked about bringing heaven down to earth, and it's not that interesting or funny of a story, but it uh, it's something that stuck with me over the years. And like how I think it was the first time that I realized that this is so moronic. I can't believe that grown people uh, buy into this devil nonsense. But
1: <laughs> I had never yeah, heard could, that connection. Yeah, well, I did. It's good. I could get kids getting all worked up over a Judas Priest record and wanting to shoot themselves, but it wouldn't be the Sad Wings of Destiny. It'd be the Turbo, because that album sucks so bad. I could see a kid getting so depressed that he wanted to end it all.
3: You know, i got to say something, Eric. Is there any, like, stereotypical record that you don't hate?
4: (laughs) Of course you hate
3: Turbo by Judas Priest and 5150 by Van Halen. Give me one that, like, I love Crazy Nights by Kiss.
0: Oh, that's that's a rough no, record. I don't mind Turbo. That, that has, it has its moments. It, you know, I it's, like it's Turbo, of its, it's time.
3: Not, you know, but I I have an easier time than a lot of people of separating. Like you know, yeah, it's not exactly the greatest Priest record, but uh, I can still enjoy it. I like the new Guns and Roses record. not that it's new anymore, but it's just not Guns and Roses. But I don't think the, the album's bad.
1: You yeah, it just wasn't worth fourteen years of waiting.
3: Oh God, no. But why? Why do you have to put that in there? What if he just didn't do anything for t- thirteen of those years?
1: And generally, the longer the wait for an album, the, the more underwhelming it is. Um, you know, look how long it took Boston to put out Third Stage. Well, it, look like how short years? it is
3: now. Isn't it only yeah, like six? That's a good point. What, the, what was it? Seventy-eight or seventy six?
1: 76
0: I, 76, I think, for the first one.
1: And then 78 for the follow-up, and Scholl said he felt rushed that it was half-completed.
3: <laughs> well, you yeah, know, he was kind of a nut like that, I guess. But, yeah, so I guess it probably was about eight years, so I think it was 86 when the next one came out. Third stage? I know, uh, it yeah, that longer.
0: was 86, yeah.
3: You know, well, especially when you have, like... Fans. You have record company and backing to get the stuff done. You know, it almost becomes ego maniacal where you're just kind of like twisting and turning backwards. So,
0: well, and the thing I like now, and I've talked about this before, is that I really dig. I remember when my parents were in their mid 40s; none of the bands they loved released new shit anymore. I mean, what Chuck Berry was about, what 71, 72, with my Ding-A-Ling, and then he was straight Heritage. We, bands nowadays they can still record music they don't need a big a label and a ton of money and distribution i you know i think we're kind of in a cool era where we get to see the bands we still like still recording new music and and i guess yep. you know i'll make fun of sammy but but i do give him props because you know what he, he still keeps churning out music it may not be something that that gets my dauber up but you know he's still doing it and and i remember my parents at a certain age they're they they did not do it anymore and though the bands that they loved rarely toured
3: yeah but our parents grew up we're all still kids. <laughs> <laughs> that's true <yeah. laughs> but i you know i don't, I don't know, know about you guys but there are so many bands that like, i gotta buy their new release just because i get this
4: but i almost have to
0: but I remember being yeah, twelve years group. old. I remember being twelve years old, and and Jerry Lee Lewis coming. to am oh, sorry, Jerry Lee Lewis coming to our small little town, and my dad just being, you know, ex, acting like a teenager. He was so excited. I I think it wasn't that the, they grew up. It was they didn't have the opportunity. Their bands weren't around to let them be, you know, young goons anymore.
3: Huh? You think it was the music or just uh, cultural, though?
0: I well, I think it's, my dad
3: was not big into music, but he's. He, he looked older than I do when he was 30.
0: That's true. I mean, yeah, some of it is cultural, but I, I know some of the people that, that are into music, I my dad and his buddies, you know, they'll sit around, and the one guy can, you name a song from the 50s, and he can give you the, the chart listing on the pop, R&B, and, you know, country charts if it applied.
1: You know, I think one of the differences, though, was the 50s stuff, there was a lot of novelty tunes that came out of that, and the, the careers were short-lived. But by the 60s, once the Beatles hit, you could actually have a real career and you could adapt and take changes and go off in different directions, and your fan base would still follow you. So that's why you could have a guy, you know, like George Harrison from the Beatles forming a super group with Roy Orbison. You know, it seems to make perfect sense, you know, because we had kind of changed as a, as a pop music culture where we would buy into something like that and think it was cool, where, you know, Jerry Lee Lewis, Chuck Baer they they were really stuck in that time and never had a chance to, to get away from it or they lacked the musical chops to do it
4: well that, so that was... was
3: kind of where i was going i think it was more cultural than it was like uh you know uh, it's specifically like the willingness to continue to do music because you could do it on your own or do it for cheaper but um yeah i mean the well the beatles changed everything so right we, we got right.
1: There, what's <laughs> your take on it?
0: We got way too serious there for a moment. We we need to get stupid again.
1: Oh yeah, let, let's close it up with some stupidity. Now you're our second guest from Minnesota that that's been on the show. Um, our friend Professor Neil Smith, the uh, great uh, crime author, was on with us about a year ago. He is also a Van Halen fan, and uh, like you, he uh, sort of leans towards the Hagar stuff. He hated a different kind of truth. What was your feeling on it, Jason?
3: Oh, I loved it. Um, uh, I was a little disappointed to find out that absolutely none of it was new. Uh, I did like the fact that Dave actually recently kind of spoke out about that. It seemed kind of like a ballsy move because, you know, Michael Anthony basically got kicked out of Van Halen for promoting Hot Sauce while they're on tour. The idea that Dave could basically come on and say, yeah, that music with me is okay, and they keep going. So I like the record. Um, I will say that Early after I bought it, I put in Van Halen 2, which was never been one of my favorite records. But uh, I, I I listened to them very like almost back to back. Like it was one one day and one the next. And after hearing Van Halen 2, I did not feel like I would ever listen to a different kind of truth again. But that has not proven to be false. <laughs> I think it's a good record. I actually like Tattoo. Everybody burned that song. I thought it was good.
0: I didn't care for Tattoo.
3: I didn't care I for was happy with was the first... She's the Woman song. I think it was the next yeah. radio thing they did. Yeah,
1: I didn't care for that one either. I, I've been yearning for a song in memory of Herve Beliches for years, and I was glad somebody finally did it.
4: <laughs> <laughs> so
1: I give Tattoo a pass.
0: You know, you mentioned that about the, the, the Van Halen boys getting a raw ass over Michael Lane. Anthony selling hot sauce. I kind of wonder if, if that isn't a little remnant of the whole Cabo Wabo thing because at one point they were all invested in that and it was, you know, b- bleeding money like a stuck pig and Sammy bought them out and then boom, all of a sudden it's huge.
3: Yeah, you don't know. I mean, I I think Eddie's paranoid. I, I think uh, in Eddie's mind, like, uh, Sammy purposely had the thing tanking so that he could buy them out as opposed to just, doing it on his own right away. I, just, I it's, Eddie's kind of nuts, man. I just—I mean, I think he cured his cancer by liquefying part of his tongue and drinking it.
1: <laughs> I forgot <laughs> about that. Oh. It's sort of like the South Park episode where my Magic Johnson beat AIDS by concentrated amounts of liquid cash.
3: Have you heard of the um, podcast Three Sides of the Coin? No. It's a kiss one. And uh if I remember right, Rob told me that you wrote that brilliant letter, an open letter to Eddie Trunk that got posted on Metal Sludge a few years ago. Yeah, that was me. That was excellent, by the way. Oh, um, thank you. Uh Eddie Trunk just recently post- made a post that they shared and if they didn't share it, I wouldn't have seen it. And it was the headline was Ace Update. And the update was, I don't have any news about Ace. Quit asking me.
4: <laughs>
3: <laughs> um, so I commented that was less a po- uh, an update about Ace than it was a "what was me" post about Eddie Trunk. <laughs> well, the guy who uh, runs the three sides of the podcast. This is on Facebook on their Facebook page, but uh, he took uh, 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 a little bit of a hit up a little bit of a problem with my comment. He's like, "How is that? You know, about him? He's just saying he doesn't know anything." Like, that's my fucking point. He, he. I didn't know that he was getting asked about Ace until he said he was getting asked about Ace. Like, why even bother? You know why you get asked, Eddie? Because you're in the fucking business, and all you do is left and right talk about how Ace is your best fucking friend. If you're sick of getting asked about Ace, quit fucking saying he's your good buddy. That's it.
1: Yeah, I think that I think we're in the midst of a major trunk backlash. I think the self promotion has really. Um, For the knowledgeable metalhead Has really driven them away I think that for the folks who You know don't remember that John Carabi ever fronted Motley Crue I still think he's their go-to guy But you know he was making a Big deal of the Tom Kiefer being on Letterman But ignoring the fact that the reason Kiefer Was on Letterman last week is because Letterman owns a portion of Kiefer's record company
4: I wonder how the hell hell he got
1: on there
0: Yeah Yeah, He owns a yeah, Worldwide Pants owns part of that
1: label. Because mm. I thought that yeah, was weird. Dave has always, you know, been a big supporter of me music, but of course, you know, when it's something that will help line his own pockets, he's going to step up a little bit more.
0: I was kind of bummed I that yeah. I was kind of bummed that Paul Taylor on keyboards didn't have the big winger hair anymore. <laughs>
1: However, Paul Taylor has rejoined Winger and will be with them for the uh, Shiprock or whatever that hair metal cruise is. I saw that today. You uh, can also go to the special acoustic room and see such fine acts as Mike Tramp and uh, John Karabi. And uh, uh, Eric Martin of Mr. Big will also be in the acoustic room.
0: What's your take on those, Baco, on on those big uh, rock cruises like that?
1: Well, if there's
3: alcohol, it's probably a good time. I mean it's a way to float around the ocean and listen to some washed up guys. Um I they they've never really done much for me. I guess it'd be fun if it was free. Um <laughs> but even the Kiss Cruise I think is kind of a joke. Um and that's a band that I'd like to see do it, but I'd like to see them do that 20 years ago for about half the price.
0: I have seen my father's bar bill after a cruise, because my dad and my mom do a lot of that cruising <laughs> stuff. And and I literally shivered when I saw it, because I knew exactly how much my bar bill would be at that point. And, it, the, yeah, there's just, I think it's a neat concept, but there's no way I could afford it.
3: Well, plenty of people seem to be liking it, because there's so damn many of them.
0: There's a great article on GQ, uh, uh, a guy from Deadspin, that does fun bag wrote about he went on the kid rock cruise and it's a it's a hilarious read go check it out if you get the chance yeah
1: okay i
3: read it it's been all the time i'll definitely check that out he, i will say this all the bands are the actual the singers of bands that uh, eric mentioned i'm all fine for every one of them except for eric martin uh making some money but uh i i think there should be a requirement if you're going to do a, an acoustic thing at, where you sing along with it you should be able to sing so
0: oh you're not a mr big fan then
3: no, um, I was actually going to use that little one-liner earlier too with uh, Sheehan leaving to join Mr. Big, but uh, that's a girl for that's a band for fat girls on a
1: porch getting drunk. <laughs> so I take it you won't be going to Mer- Melodic Rock Fest in uh, outside Chicago in September.
3: No, that's a that's a little bit too far of a drive to see some uh, really bad music. <laughs>
1: Rob and I have tried to get Andrew, the guy that runs that website, on the show. He says he'll do it, but when it's time to get him scheduled, he uh, he doesn't respond to right, us. Right. We offered to give legit promotion to him as well for the show, but he won't respond back.
0: I think he says yeah, and then he goes and checks out Facebook and Twitter and some of our <laughs> podcasts. and goes, oh, fuck Well, you guys were
3: supportive on Twitter when he was getting basically uh, blackballed by a trunk. You're just not, oh. you're not important enough for me. Is that the same guy, right?
1: Yeah, that yeah. was me. I I was uh, sending the tweets out from the phone. I mean, and Eddie got really kind of shitty with him.
3: Yeah, it was bullshit. It was just basically like, you're not important enough. Uh, I actually had to go back and read Eddie Trunk tweets, so you actually are to blame for that. <laughs>
0: uh, <laughs> yeah, we love Andrew. Just some of the music that, that he promotes, it's like, yeah, but I, you know. Well,
3: the singer from fucking Danger Danger, come on. Yeah, Ted Poley. Ted Poley and his
0: bone. Ted Ted Polley's bone machine.
1: That's not enough to make you pay for the hotel room for three days in Chicago and get the VIP tickets where you can have a picture. Enough to make me pay for it, but who else is going to?
0: I've always been bummed out because when Ted Polley did that whole bone machine project and then went out and played shows, I was. uh, There's no way that you could fit an actual bone machine in like a corner of a Chili's restaurant. I wanted to see oh, the bone goodness. machine. I, uh, I
3: never even heard of that, so yeah.
0: <laughs> Nobody <laughs> does. I've used this joke for like twelve years and nobody <laughs> knows what I'm talking about.
1: Uh, but I you know it is the,
3: book bands anymore.
1: This is the one opportunity to see Harem Scarum in America. <laughs> with Harry Hess. Along with Fenric Lane and Wet <laughs> and Rob's all time favorite band Degreed. DeGreed. Which... You've been DeGreed. I do so, that every morning when I put my deodorant. I've been DeGreed.
3: Are you saying things that are actual things?
1: These are actual bands. Hmm. Promoted heavily by our friends at Melodic Rock. We like Andrew, but he's never met at a press release. He won't just slap on there as news.
0: As, as evidenced by you can see from out of nowhere press
1: releases. On there. <laughs> I think the
3: whole music industry would... Uh... Take a huge step forward if everybody just got a fucking sense of humor. Stop taking themselves so seriously.
0: Uh, I agree. I agree.
3: A little bad press. Have a little fun with it. If I was Sammy Hagar, I'd be here right now talking to you guys. <laughs>
0: and you know, he probably would. I mean, it's not Actually, like we. Yeah, if you're a little
3: more popular, but <laughs> it's not like we
0: hate Sammy, but we just you know he's our favorite whipping boy. I, you know, no, I, know. I was. I read.
4: I'll admit, I I read,
0: had, had, admit, I, I read his book. I I bought his e-book and and you know on, on on e-format and read it. It was a fun read.
1: I I didn't get it because I'm literate. <laughs> oh. <laughs>
3: So you bought Crazy from the Heat, I think, because that was such a fucking
1: well-written book. I checked that out of the Marion Public Library.
3: Hey, you know what? At least that was before everybody wrote a book. Well, everybody from that era. Yeah. But yeah, it was, uh, I don't even remember most of it. It was kind of nonsense.
0: Has anybody read the Stephen Percy book?
3: Not yet. I actually kind of want to.
0: Yeah, I haven't read that either. I'm waiting for Amazon to have like a $2.99
1: sale, and I'll
3: snatch <laughs> it up. You and me both. I don't want to like read it that much. I'm waiting to like half price books. Like get it in there used <laughs> or something.
1: I'll read it one. I'll read it once Juan Crucier rewrites it. <laughs> <laughs> what
3: What about Stephen Adler's book?
0: I've got it on my Kindle, but I have not read it yet.
1: Neither I don't read it. Stroke Victim. I I only read English. I I don't read Stroke Victim. Well,
3: then you'll like this book because he didn't have anything to do with it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Just ask the ghost. person who's
3: pissed off they didn't get paid for writing it. Yeah, it was ghostwritten
1: by Matt Sorum.
3: Yeah, I can't remember her name. I think there was an article on that on Metal Sludge. But, yeah, I was like, I I did all the work, and then some guy came in and took it.
1: <laughs> Rob and I are a little bitter towards Adler because uh, Rob had an interview set up with him, and uh, the publicist dropped the ball.
0: No, nothing against Adler. He was like... I'll do it but I got to hear from my publicist first and and I've dealt with you know I'm not going to out and You know don't you think that's Publicists a cop are out. the fucking worst to work with but he was a great guy
1: Yeah I think I think that's a cop out We've had tremendous success with heroin addicts on the show it would have been fantastic
4: hmm.
1: Our episode with Donnie V was our first celebrity interview episode and it remains our most downloaded
4: Are you
3: a
1: fan of Donnie V?
3: Mm-hmm.
1: yeah oh yeah i love yeah. enough's enough i think they're a fantastic band who had they not caught the hairband look would have had a much better career
0: i had I, you know i i think with donnie and and i talked with chip and 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 chip said the same thing donnie's his own worst enemy time is free time
1: is his worst enemy
3: i, I gotta say though um when you say that i think that's a point for sammy
1: how does that become a point for Sammy? I'll give it to you, but I'm not. I guess I'm not clear.
3: Oh, enough's enough, sucks.
1: Oh, okay. <laughs> Fair enough.
3: How are they still even doing it? I guess. Wait a second. I answered my own question when I acknowledged that I knew Ted Poley was touring. <laughs>
0: well, you know, yeah, Donnie
3: Don- V just left, right? I mean, they, he's replaced by that Johnny Monaco again. Yeah. 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 Hi, You know, how about something a little more current that kind of touches and all that stuff with uh, Five Finger Death Punch. They have had, like, two different guitar players. One replaced the other. I can't remember which one. I know the two guys. It's Daryl Roberts and Jason Hook. One is in the band. One was the guy he, the other one replaced. And both of those guys were, like, early to mid-'90s fill-ins for all sorts of 80s metal bands. Like, oh, They yeah. were original. Members. Like, Bullet Boys. Jason Hook was in Bullet Boys. Boys, yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of weird as shit. And they just got like a new bass player for before their last record, who's like ninety. He's from like Nashville or something. That band, by the way, irritates the fuck out of me. But
0: our our buddy Michael Hannon said that you know Bullet Boys, of course, because he was in you know down on the Sunset Strip back in the day, and everybody called uh, uh, Mark Torian back in the day David Lee Rodriguez. <laughs>
3: Yeah, Ted Templeton's Van Halen Two project. He <laughs> just put the guitars in the middle on that mix. So.
1: To, uh, to push more traffic to metal sludge, they had an article up about John Waite recently, and Carrie Kelly is his guitar player. There's another guy who was like in every Mach three or four version of the Sunset mm-hmm. Strip bands.
3: Yep. Yeah. And, it was, he was with uh, Alice Cooper for a while, if I remember right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, didn't he replace Kane Roberts?
3: <laughs> no one can replace. Who's a guy Kane
1: that? Rob I need to get. And I need to get Kane Roberts on the show. We we saw the Kane Roberts uh, run with Alice Cooper, and uh, we found the show's incredibly entertaining. Not so much because of Kane Roberts, but you know because of Alice.
3: Uh, I saw an interview with him on something uh, quite a while back, and I thought he he'd make a decent guy.
1: I, not much so for interested. his guitar playing, but. Oh he had that cool machine gun guitar, yeah, but he was out
3: before Alice uh, did that direct trash record, right?
1: yes, yeah, yeah. he left before that one
3: when when Alice's career came back, <laughs>
1: yeah, <laughs> when, came when... went to make a solo record, which tanked now, I think he uh, wanted...
3: love on a rooftop no that's Desmond child's song what was does anybody ever fall in love with anymore? Was Kane Roberts' song.
0: Oh, jeez! Uh, wow. Sorry. Nice, nice. Well, we'll give you a point on that.
1: <laughs> I think Kane Roberts, Kane Roberts now runs a deli in the Bronx with Vito Bratta of White Lion.
3: Yeah, talk about it. What, what the hell happened to that guy? He won't rejoin White Lion because he's too busy doing nothing. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: if the choice is nothing and White Lion and nothing wins, that tells you how he feels about his legacy.
3: You know, sadly, I listened to Pride yesterday.
1: Oof! And you lived to tell the tale
3: Well I made about halfway through And then I got a phone call
1: <laughs> Mike Tramp's voice <boy>, just <laughs> Thank God for the happened. phone call <laughs> Yeah
3: um, I uh, actually uh, got their autograph uh, Kiss was on tour On the Crazy Night tour And we went to a record store And um, I had to give a ticket To a guy to drive us to Rochester To, to see the show um, Because he was not a fan of Kiss at all but I didn't get my license in time to drive
4: myself, <laughs> so uh,
3: I gave him the ticket so he'd take us. And uh, we're standing in this store called Face Music in Rochester, and this this guy that drove us comes up to me, taps his shoulder. He's like, "Look over there." I'm like, "What is that? That's White Lion, and they're actually signing autographs at a table. And so I went and got a uh, something signed. But uh, your boy Mike Tramp was pretty hammered, and it showed in the show. So. Well, we
1: need to wrap this up our audience loses interest after about an hour and we've hit the hour 15 mark. Um, plug, what, what's Jesus Chrysler got going on this summer? You got dates booked?
3: Right now we only got two things lined up. We're calling it the I-94 tour. We called it that after the shows got booked because they're about six miles apart right off of I-94 going through uh, one in Minneapolis, one in St. Paul, which up here is a pretty big deal. Um, beyond that, we're doing shows in Owatonna. Eventually, it looks like it's looking to be fall. Um, we have two new music videos in the work and other than that, we're just going to keep doing what we do. And you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter and, uh, reverb nation to get all your updates. Facebook has the most current information. The other stuff we just kind of, uh, diddle with once in a while.
1: Well, we absolutely love you guys. And we, we thanks to, uh, Rob and uh, the, the SMU show and playing you pretty heavily. Uh, you now have a fan base in the U.K. as well.
3: Excellent. Or, or... I, I'm, I'm a huge fan of the show, by the way. I listen to you in chunks because I usually download your shows and uh, uh, put them on my MP3 player and listen to a few at a time. So I'm a little behind a couple months right now, but uh, I never miss any of them. So.
0: That's okay. you got well, plenty you're... of time to catch up because we didn't really do much for the last couple no, of yeah, months. Oh, yeah. You guys
3: have had a nice little break. So
4: uh, Yeah, um, we – we, uh, we... Hey, no,
3: and, and uh, I love your tweets. I love all your comments. And in spite of what we uh, got into today, I actually love your sarcastic attitude towards Sammy Hagar. It's all fun.
0: And, and basically, much like the federal government, after all this, we're still kind of gridlocked on the whole thing. You love Sammy. We we love to you know whip on him a little bit.
3: Yeah, I'm pretty sure I won. Give, I'll see my you, six pack in the and like a weight.
0: You yeah, you did. I think if we went back and recalculated <laughs> the points, you probably
1: did win.
4: Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I, I think.
1: Go ahead. I think the judges would score a unanimous decision. You got much – you you worked the body early and took out the head. We were pretty much up <laughs> against the ropes late in the fight.
3: I, my my only uh, uh, goal in doing this is that uh, Sammy hears it and then buys me something really expensive. <laughs> <laughs> or names maybe the tequila you're... after me or something. Or maybe more – I'm more of a beer guy, so maybe Sammy will, will switch from that stupid beach rum to some kind of – Sammy Hagar's Baco beer.
4: Maybe,
0: Yeah, maybe he'll name a sandwich after you in his new sub-shops or whatever the hell he's <laughs> opening.
1: Hey, you never brought up Planet Us, so I appreciate that. Oh, that's
0: that. right. I forgot about Planet Us.
1: Nobody talked about Planet Us.
0: The, uh, I mean, oh, didn't... We didn't talk about Sammy Hagar's Plastic Extruder Corporation, either.
1: <laughs> he's currently in Eastern Ohio fracking. He's really <laughs> making a bet
4: off of that.
3: Well, hey, thanks you guys for all the support and let me do this. This is fun. Uh, uh, if you want to do a Kiss episode, I'm your guy.
1: Cool. Hey, oh, Let's do that. Fantastic. Yeah. We will. We will actually bring you in as a, a guest host. We'll. We'll. The three of us will gang up on a guest some night.
4: Oh, that'd be awesome.
3: <laughs> yeah, some little dweeb that thinks Kiss still it kicks ass, right? Bitch, fucking squeeze him like a fucking melon in your butt.
1: <laughs> we know a couple podcast hosts that, that would fit the <laughs> bill for that, basically, if, if, if they're up to it. Uh, there's a lot of uh, uh, podcasts devoted to Kiss. And God know, I, as
3: much as I love Sammy Hagar, I can fucking go to town on Kiss. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I, I, I think I know what our next episode is going to be now. <laughs> do that, yeah. It's about
0: time we do some theme episodes instead of just <laughs> random nonsense.
1: <laughs> you know, of course, we did the theme episode tonight. The we rambled all over the place, but it was more entertaining that way.
3: <laughs> well, you guys are good at it, so keep it up.
1: Thanks, brother. You keep rocking with Jesus Christ, and we'll talk to you soon, man.
3: Thanks again for the support. I'll see you later.
1: See ya. Right, Thank you. There you have it, winner and still champion, Jason Bakken. He uh, he put a whooping on us. Uh, you know, for shits and giggles, we got to send something off to, to Sammy's uh, publicity people and and see if we can get 15 minutes. We
0: should. Uh, the other thing that bummed me out was that that Bakken ripped on uh, celebrity headphones. That's a new craze, and I wasn't able to get a plug in for our new Foon headphones that you can buy over at our site. They're actually the old the old one ear. The white ones. It's just a one thing that you put in your ear. We don't have enough money yet for stereo.
1: <laughs> they they only work with transistor radios produced in the 60s and 70s. They're yeah. not compatible with today's iPods and and whatnot. We're gonna try to put
0: a Kickstarter together to to do a you know a stereo version.
1: I'm also working on uh, what I call the funaphone. Um It has nothing to do with the phone, but it's like the phones or the recorders that you had to play as a kid. An official foon branded one. That will only play uh, "I Stole Your Love" <laughs> when you blow into it. So I think that'll be fun for the kids. So, so look for the funafun. Look
0: for the funafun. We survived Direco here in here in Foonland.
1: Yeah, well, we survived this one, but the weathermen tell us that there's another apocalypse uh, due in. So look for an Asian reporter on a highway near you telling you it's raining.
0: I uh, I lost over the last uh, the last Direcco, my Facebook comments. I actually lost a friend. I mean, not even only on Facebook, but like in real life, he was so upset by my comments.
1: I uh, first said that uh, DirecO was a failed TV show starring Skeet Ulrich, and then uh, after um, the DirecO failed to happen, I asked if I'd taken Viagra, would I've been able to get a DirecO? I test, and
0: a, I, I test drove one at the Dodge dealership last week. <laughs> the
1: Dodge Durango. Yeah. It, it bends when you hit 65 <laughs> miles an hour and is guaranteed to knock down your fence and remove some shingles. That's all the nonsense for this edition of From Out of Nowhere. I think Rob's cooking up a, a new SMU for next week.
0: Yes. Yeah, I, I'll do an SMU. We may have a guest, or I may just get drunk and play music.
1: Either way, maybe you'll have a drunken guest playing music. Mm -hmm. You never can tell with the SMU. That's right. So until then, we'll talk to you later. Take her easy.